Hello and welcome to a very special holiday episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oitari Dorgan, and with me always, as always, is a man who is a police officer in the 23rd century who has been hunting down a Martin Whistler, a criminal mastermind who uses psychic powers to turn people into mindless trancers and carry out his orders. These are their stories. Dun, dun. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, a.k.a. Jack Death. <laughs> oh, just no, I just spit my drink out. Babe. Damn it. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and as this is the holiday episode, we have some wonderful friends joining us. On my left is the illustrious Ben Jones White. Hello, Adam. Thank you very much. On my left is the man who puts the PH in Stephen, Stephen Goldmeyer. Well, thank you so much, Ben. And uh, now I'd like to introduce our illustrious and esteemed host, John Daly. Of, no, no, I, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Back to Pat, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> There we go. There we go. Yeah. Back around. All right. Here we go. So I <laughs> did have another way? intro prepared before I read the uh, Wikipedia for this, <laughs> yeah. which was okay. going to be something like uh, a man who won a who wore it best contest with Murphy Brown. <laughs> <laughs> That's also very good. Uh, I'm just glad it wasn't a man who tricked me into watching a zombie movie. Um, okay, well, yes, this we'll talk about that. Uh, luckily, it is a terrible zombie movie that has none of the hallmarks of a zombie movie. So, as, yes, as far as the zombie aspect of the zombie movie goes, it is it is not exactly a zombie movie. I think the thing that struck me the most uh, that the, the intro that I would have considered would have been a man whose name was shortened from Deathton to just Death at Ellis Island <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> Yes. Over 300 years. Yes. <laughs> it's very good. Oh, friends, before we get into the movie this week, I want to thank you all for joining us, and I want to thank our supporters. Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion if you want to help support us. We do a bonus episode every month over there, except for December. December, we do a bonus episode for everybody, for wide-released uh, supporters and elsewise. Uh, but over there, you can vote on what we watch from January to November. I almost forgot what month is right before <laughs> December there. Uh, <laughs> we put together a list usually based on a movie we've watched from the Criterion Collection uh, in the main podcast, uh, but the films that we list over there that you get to vote on are non-Criterion films, uh, and Kazam is always a choice. You guys made us watch Kazam recently, and we're greatly yeah, appreciated. it was good. That. It was enjoyable. Uh, no, it was, it was nice to revisit Kazam. Um <laughs> Because we haven't watched it since uh, February 2019 was the last time they made us watch it, and it was... Uh... You almost missed your yearly quota. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It slid right in at the wire. Do uh, your civic duty. Yeah, I, I'm fun. a voter. I, I don't vote every time, but I vote uh, often enough. Right. Just Steven enough to make us watch it. And he, 
Yeah. <laughs> he, he votes for Kazam when it looks like it's going to win. No, I don't. I that's can't, pretty much the I only time I can't see how vote people vote. No, but that's true. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Uh, <laughs> glad to know that. Uh, I almost sometimes I almost text Stephen not to not to try to game the vote, but just to make sure he voted. <laughs> Uh, did you vote yet not to to say please vote for this movie or this movie but to say hey it's um, close i could use one more voter just to be sure right (laughs) right please uh but uh but yeah that is patreon.com slash lost in criterion and that is just a dollar a month you get access to those bonus episodes you get to vote on what we're gonna watch and uh any supporter i am completely open uh any supporter who wants to suggest a list um or a specific movie they want to watch for me to craft a list around to try and get people <laughs> to watch that, <laughs> yeah. which Steven did once with Now You See Me. Uh, and it was a very delightful episode over there as well. Um, yeah, Steven, Steven, you are, are, this marks the end of our seventh year doing this. We have been doing, well, eighth year, I suppose, actually. It'll be our eighth anniversary yeah, I'm, come I January 1st. I confused about these numbers, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> numbers are hard. <laughs> We have been, our first episode was actually a holiday episode as well with our first guest and never returning guest, Andrew Heaney. Because he was at uh, my house. Joined us for, <laughs> because he was at your house when we decided to do it. Uh, he joined us for the first Die Hard, which was the first Lost in Criterion movie to post. Uh, and that, uh, that was January 1st, 2013. And this will be uh, December 25th. 2020 is when this posts and then next week we get to kick off our celebrate our eighth anniversary with an episode dedicated to uh mishima's patriotism Uh, we've already recorded that episode but uh it's not not a fun just enjoy this one while it's around okay that's all i can say yeah so so enjoy this one this episode comes sandwiched between a biopic on mishima and a movie by mishima and it's really a low point for our interaction with the criterion collection well but if so you uh if you like what you hear you should know there's uh there's an existing now you see me two sequel and they're planning a third now you see me movie and a spinoff so Yes. I'm so glad to be back anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. Thank you for that. Let's work our way through the uh, series. Do have, Let's do it. <laughs> we do have a couple of other tiers on the Patreon. There's a $5 tier that no one's at right now, and I'm actually appreciative that no one's at it because they all popped up to $10. $5, you get access to the vote, of course, and we like to thank those people on air as well. Nobody to thank. Thank you, so people we'll who aren't there. $10 and above, we do something that I think is pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we've watched recently, and I get that printed up on a postcard, write a little personalized thank you note, and mail that off. So if you like uh, bespoke art, if you like physical mail, uh, something to make you feel special, you know, go down, check that mailbox, see it's there. Usually second week of the month or so. is. It's hard to gauge now because the postal system is completely overwhelmed by design uh, for for the last few months. So, uh, but generally they still get there less in less than two weeks. So that's good. But yeah, it's really fun. Pat makes some really interesting pieces. Sometimes uh, they're okay. <laughs> Are you going to make one for transfers, Pat? Pretty likely, yeah. Because my other choice yeah. is oh my God. Mine, and I'd rather die. I might have to bump <laughs> right. up my support. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ah, well, I look forward to doing that. You do often end up basing the December. Yeah, it does tend to be a whatever theme because we watch for yeah. the holiday special. I, I, I will tell you, you should make it of Santa Claus being murdered oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. with yes. A, with I, an I, antler. I, what I will <laughs> yeah. say is yeah. that I have been staring at the cover, like the the poster, <laughs> the film poster for Transfers for about twenty minutes now. Um, <laughs> So that it seems fairly like I am en- I am enamored with a poster that contains no true things. <laughs> <laughs> are you looking at the one on Wikipedia no. that's Jack Death stepping through a doorway? No, no, I'm or looking, looking at the looking one, at the that, one like, where appear- he's wearing a helmet. The one where he's wearing a helmet and <laughs> holding a future gun, none of which is accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It does not look that- like the actor. He never wears a helmet as far as I can remember. He does not own a gun like that. He does not have some sort of cyborg hand. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, that's fair. I cannot identify anything (laughs) accurate in this poster. Maybe by the time I think that might be the cover for the box set. So maybe by the time we get to Transfers Five, he'll have a robot hand. It might no, but it also is like on the. um, It appears that this was maybe the the actual original movie poster because it's the one with all the all the like. You know the all the crap they put at the bottom of a movie poster to tell yeah. you like all that stuff. Yeah, it has that on it, like the one that was outside of movie theaters to try to draw people in to watch this nightmare. Yeah, I I love the the movie poster that's on Wikipedia because the tagline of the film is also not super healthy. Helpful. Oh yeah, it's a it's a synopsis of the premise, which uh, is meet Jack Death. He's a future cop lost in the present. And he's hunting twenty third uh, twenty third century menace in nineteen eighty five. Okay, uh, <laughs> I like this one though. There's another one which is That's his name accurate, is Death. Though. His name is yes. Death. He hunts trancers even in the twentieth century. <laughs> Yes, that's, that's even, very which young. I like that's because even. because it Able. implies that we're like, but but when? And they're like, even in the twentieth century. So I had a moment during the movie when I just watched it for the second time that uh, unlocked something that feels a little like that. Like making a poster like that, you kind of expect, oh, everybody knows what a trancer is. So here's the guy who hunts them. But so uh, there's a moment in the movie where Tim Thomerson, Jack Death, uh, puts some some goop in his hair and says, dry hair is for squids. And uh, that line, it means nothing until uh, a little bit later. Right. When he finally right. says they a squid that. is like a weak person who can be controlled by Whistler or whatever. Yeah. So I just, yeah. you know, the, the moment of seeing a poster that says Jack Death hunts <laughs> trancers is not dissimilar to the moment in the movie where he yeah. says dry hairs right. for squids. Okay, where, cool. where you really have to watch so the movie more are you, than Are you saying yeah. the poster should say dry hairs for squids? Listen, I, I think so I agree. So yeah. I, have a, I have a question. By that logic present in the movie, is the implication that that if you don't Ha- if you have dry hair, is what actually allows you to be controlled. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're like, if you have wet hair, you're like it's like a, it's one of those aluminum foil helmet type of deals. And like, ah, I put some oil in my hair, I'm fine now. So they're they're both of our uncontrolled main characters do have product in their hair. Yeah. Well, and, so. and there's definitely some implications in the movie about like um, what it means to be a cool person. You know, like, yeah. um, you know, so the tanning salon guy is like a stereotypical cool guy who's easily controlled. Those like punk biker dudes are stereotypical cool kids who are also squids. So this movie, yeah. surprise for for a, a band joint for a full moon picture, has a warped yeah. and weird sense of what it means to be like a cool person. I mean, <laughs> you know? being a cool fair. person, it means having shoulder pads that prevent you from walking through doors. <laughs> 
cool. Yeah. yeah. And owning That's toys cool. and like really loving yeah. dolls. Yeah, like yeah. it's like right. Charles Band just has a vision of what it means to be like a cool person. And, <laughs> He's just and trying to rewrite just, American like, movie. It's just him making a different version of that. And all of us are like on the outside, like, okay, cool. Yeah, he wears a trench coat and has slip <laughs> yeah, back. All right. Hair. All right sure. well, and he Not likes to buy any of the toys, right. but sure. Yeah. <laughs> Not just that not just though that there are toys for the movies. His protagonists love toys. Right. They love right. dolls. <laughs> this dude gets a doll. The first time he's ever seen a, a doll in his life. And he's like, wow, this is the sweetest toy anybody's ever gotten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's very good. It's very good. Well, to get to get the uh, the details out of the way, we are talking about Trancers from 1984. It is a movie directed by Charles Band, uh, who is the head of uh, what's the name of the production company? I just lost it. It's Full Moon. Full Moon. Yeah. yeah, and Empire first, and then Full Empire. Moon. Yes, this is distributed by Empire. Empire went bankrupt at the end of the '80s, and he reorganized into Full Moon. Uh, he is a guy who makes a lot of <sighs> lower budget horror films, uh, <laughs> by and large, it, particularly with the Full Moon stuff. During the '80s, he still had. He still had money. Theatrical releases. And theatrical releases. I think is probably yes. fair. B plus movies, I think is a good a good description. Um but he also, you know, he did stuff that listeners even casually certainly would have heard of, uh, with uh Ghoulies. <laughs> Ghoulies. I think yeah, Reanimator is probably the main one. Reanimator is probably the one um I don't. I don't know, man. Ghoulies. Ghoulies was a, a box office, a legit box office hit. <laughs> yeah. Um, because of the toilet ad. Yeah. That's right. We, and uh, maybe it's uh, worth saying, uh, three of the four people on this podcast uh, attend a <laughs> weekly movie series in which we've been watching Full Moon Pictures movies weekly for well, a, I, yeah. a six months. I, don't I know. mean, you <laughs> could do that <laughs> forever, right? Like, I mean, that's basically an yeah, endless well. P- that's why right, uh, maybe right. why we're doing it. Yeah. Right, did you guys yeah. sign up for that full um, moon like streaming package? <laughs> uh, it's one of <laughs> us. It exists. <laughs> full moon has its well, own streaming package. <laughs> yeah. The host of the of the of the weekly thing did. Okay. Uh, he he streams form, them for yeah. us. So, <laughs> yes. Uh but uh <laughs> I've got to disembody that to make sure make sure none of the three of us get blamed for <laughs> for supporting Full Moon. Uh, no, uh, he also did Puppet Master. I think is is oh, yeah. one that that people have probably heard of as well. Um, at least the first Puppet Master people have heard of. You'd be surprised at how many movies are in the Puppet and, Master. Unless you're aware of the Full Moon well. production system, in which yes. you won't be surprised. Yes. There's like twelve of them. Or if you have a DVD also, box set of all of the Puppet Master movies or something. <laughs> Which right, right. Steven, one of, one of us does, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine. That's fine, Steven. It's, it's fine. fine. Thank you. Um, <laughs> no, uh, this one does not have music by his brother, which is kind of disappointing because uh, or the band brothers. Maybe the opposite of disappointing. Yeah, the music relief. is actually good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the it's music here relief. is actually good. Yeah, <laughs> I've uh, I've come to really really appreciate the uh the band brothers in unison i i feel like that's not true one thing i will say is when i was doing these uh these looptober kind of mini musical compositions i tried to do one that was inspired by the band sort of musical sound um there's there isn't one i couldn't (laughs) create 
the, the closest you can get to a a uh, what's his name? Char- who's the, who's the actual brother? Charles. Charles is the main guy. It's Richard. Is the brother right? Richard. Richard. Yeah. Yes. So the closest you can get to Richard Band's um, like signature sound is like circus music made with cheap '90s MIDI keyboards. That's the <laughs> right, like. Right. And I don't. I don't want to make that kind of music. <laughs> and I'm glad it wasn't here in this. <laughs> yeah. So this this movie stars Tim Thomerson, which is a name that somebody has. I will will not. Yes, it's a name someone has. A name I will not say correctly the entire rest of the show. I'm sure it's relatively real too. His real name, I guess, is Joseph <laughs> Timothy Thomerson. Uh, wow! All right. I, his parents gave him the middle name Timothy, <laughs> knowing his last name was Thomerson. Ah, <laughs> uh, Timerson Thomerson. Uh <laughs> it works. It works. I love that whenever I encounter Tim Thomerson in anything, he is always credited with a synonym of acclaimed actor, Tim Thomerson. And then his Wikipedia page names him as best known for his role as Jack Death. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, the man has an illustrious career. Uh, I mean, he's some, done a lot of work. Some I mean, non-Full Moon movies, too. Uh <laughs> He started out as a stand-up comic and was like in the in the class of people with like David Letterman and Jay Leno. And yeah, just, and like Fred, the the OG Freddie Prince. Like, it's just kind of weird to think about that career trajectory. Yeah. <laughs> it is, well, it is not something you'd have any reason to remember. But he's in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, uh, as a hoodlum is literally his character name so well i don't imagine he's I, on screen that much i will say this for him it clearly i guess paid the bills because he has a japanese actor level of like um his filmography is fucking enormous yes like it looks like one what you see on like on japanese like actors from the 60s it's like yep in four minimum four movies a year I know. Well, to I, be fair, a lot of those are TV. I know. Well, TV are. So I was about to say, if you take the full moons out of this, it's actually a, a pretty <laughs> typical, slightly yeah, lower yes, than average yes, working actor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, listen. All I'm saying is, Tom Timerson has been in a Criterion film, and Helen Hunt hasn't. At least not one we've watched oh, so far. Wow. So, uh, are we gonna? Which one is yeah. he in? He's in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. are we going to go with calling him Tom Timerson? Is that what our plan is? <laughs> no, no, we <laughs> should definitely call him Tim. All right, because I was we like, just I call guess, him Jack guess, Death is what we yeah, should just do. Just call him Jack Death for now. <laughs> the most yeah. memorable name uh, ever written into a screenplay. <laughs> it's iconic. Yeah. It's iconic. <laughs> that should be that should be the tagline <laughs> to Jack Death's name. It's iconic. <laughs> he, I, I guess that according to the Wikipedia. Rabbit hole that I'm in. The last appearance of Jack Death on screen was in Evil Bong in 2006. So. What? Yes. <laughs> Listen, full moon. It's not a no joke. That's a full you moon can, experience. Like, you can absolutely disappear into like a whole parallel universe that where Charles Band is is God, you know, and uh, and that's certainly what he wants. Yeah, and he's for himself. It, like he's made it possible that you could go there and like yeah. wear his clothes, see his movies, order his steaks off the internet or whatever. I don't know, <laughs> you know. Ah, uh, beautiful. My my absolute favorite. Pat made 
frequent reference to the opening paragraph of the Wikipedia page in his introduction to us. <laughs> but but my favorite bit is where it describes Jack Death as Philip Marlowe-esque. Uh, <laughs> That's not wrong, though. Uh, here's, here's what I will say. All right, listen. I'm going to get this out of the way and say this early. The opening of this movie is good. There's no, uh, I have nothing, no concerns, nothing like that. The font is good. <laughs> okay. The colors, uh, the, the intro of the character, the sort of like hokey, like sci-fi voiceover, and that very Marlowe kind of voiceover. I like it all. I have really no, no concerns about any of it. <laughs> okay. So I think, I think there's some ways in which it's fair I to mean, call him Marlowe. I really, the beginning I really, of this movie. <laughs> yeah. I really admire how much somebody very very clearly like it, it's it's like yeah i don't know it it feels like i mean it's obviously meant to be blade runner-esque right like it just that's the feel right, right? and it's it's i just love how it's like but our cars ride on the road like <laughs> it's like kind of the thing i don't know it's just really interesting to me i don't it's the, there's definitely always a feeling in these Charles Band Full Moon universe movies that it's sort of his version of something that everybody loves right, turned into right. something that only he loves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So then right. you're definitely and right that there's def- there's like a Blade Runner uh, kind of feeling. Uh, but only for like the first captured. like 10 minutes, yeah, or whatever that f- intro. But and then it's like, oh, that's gone now. Uh, but that's, that's because it's... I think it really is. There's like a competition in this movie between like arty Blade Runner stuff and Charles Band, and so right. you really like vacillate between what is like a very cool opening sequence. You have like a, a Santa fight where like you know this is Mrs. <laughs> Claus from the North Pole. You know we've got trouble. You <laughs> right. know, and then right, right. but then there's like a, a love scene between the two characters where there's that kind of like synthesized horn sound that is very very Vangelisy, but only shittier because it's like some sort of like sample based you know late 80s synthesizer not an actual good synthesizer <laughs> anyway so you, you could sort of see like there's uh there's an attempt to really capture that even later in the movie um but yeah there's just too much of this other very like mm. i don't know flubby stuff in between there's a <laughs> lot of really good stuff but there's also a lot of flubby stuff in this movie <laughs> to my mind yeah the guys who wrote this movie a couple years later wrote The Rocketeer. Mm, uh, yep, that all checks out. <laughs> and The Rocketeer is by no means a, a masterpiece of artistic writing either, but it is definitely different than a Charles Band movie. <laughs> well, but like um, I kind of see the through line in a really weird way, right? right? There's right. this like absurd obsession with bones. pastiche and stuff that, that this seems to have yeah it, yeah what's the what's the through line between this and the five bloods the spike lee movie because <laughs> they also wrote and that. that's <laughs> really right <laughs> i have that's, not seen that yet so it's, it's yeah that's actually it i i thought well there might be one yeah i want to hear it yeah uh, <laughs> A sort of obsession with nostalgia or or right. living in the past, sort of being mm-hmm. past controlling your actions or something. Right, right. It really seems like at at its heart, these these guys maybe have some sort of uh, mo to them yeah. about uh, about living in the past. Now they they were part 
there are two other credited writers at least on on defied bloods including spike lee um but that was that seems to be some of their first uh film work for a while they worked in video games for very yeah long they, time. their video game well one of them at least yeah, um at Danny least bilson is like wow he wrote oh no they were a team through all that okay well because yeah. um the other one he doesn't show up with his writing credits don't include any of those that's why i wasn't sure no, well it doesn't include I, oh I, no it has a few of the video games but not all of them i don't know it's well just, that's that's the thing i just find that it's interesting Danny the Bilson's first one wikipedia is page separates them yeah Right. One of them is just The Sims, which was like, hmm, yes. okay, the writing credits on The Sims are what now? <laughs> <laughs> he, he wrote all the original lines. Yeah, yeah the, all, the, the all, this, he, all that weird the dialogue for The Sims. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's pastiche of a lot of popular things at the time. Obviously, as Steven said, still at odds with what, uh, what Charles Brand, <laughs> Band brings to the uh the equation here but it's you know it's not just blade runner it's a little bit terminator it's a little bit you know we've got the zombie aspect that barely registers i mean that's this is a movie an entire franchise of movies named for the henchman of the bad guy (laughs) right right not for the main character (laughs) not for the bad guy himself but Right. But for the henchmen who really don't even show up, yeah, all are that not often. very common in the movie. They are really kind of a side <laughs> yeah. note in the movie, really. Um, <laughs> right. And I, I like, I spent a lot of my energy while we were watching this trying to sort of understand the cosmology of this of <laughs> this movie. That's a fool's errand. <laughs> I, I know, but but you gotta understand, it was really really fun. Fool's errand, yeah. yes, but like <laughs> puzzles that have no correct answer can be really entertaining because <laughs> uh, you can just do it forever, right? And um, right. Do so when you become a trancer <laughs> and you get killed, you you vaporize. You disappear in a red light. So you I assumed I assumed at the beginning. In the beginning of the movie, it, it appeared that it was because of the gun he was using. Yeah, you thought. Right. But then later on, we find out it's just if you. I want to understand how that works, but um, I'm not going to get an answer, but I do want to understand well, how that works. Well, it's the psychic energy. Oh, I see. Okay. I'm sure it's explored in the rest of the series. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> probably sure. what the helmet's in all detail. about. <laughs> yeah, so I, I mentioned well, this. Well, there's, there's, uh, there's the scene where Whistler is. Uh, like putting the dead Santa in a body bag and it almost felt like he had control over the disappearance of the body mm-hmm. so it could be that he is doing it psychically oh, okay somehow. I could see that that makes sense that makes a lot of sense I was just gonna say you know the idea that uh, it could be explained in one of the later entries seems very possible because uh, I thought I would yeah. just very quickly read um, the synopsis <laughs> of Transfers <laughs> 5 please sudden please death. please Jack is back for one more round with the Trancers. Jack Death must attempt to find his way home. Here's where it kicks off and starts getting very interesting to me. From the other dimensional world of Orpheus. What? Where magic, where magic works and the Trancers were the ruling class. Parentheses. Wait, before what? Trancers 4, that is. Uh, apparently what? in Trancers 4, there's, a, there's an overthrow of the Trancer ruling class by the Wait. workers. 
Hold on. There's, that's he not goes the to like a weird medieval <laughs> world in Transfers 4. Unfortunately, Jack's quest to find the mystical Tiamond in the castle of unrelenting terror <laughs> oh my God. may be thwarted by the return of Caliban, king of the Transfers, and once thought dead. What? <laughs> this is, this this is, is really a lot like... I am going to end up watching all, all five of these movies. <laughs> yeah. This, this is, is reminding over. me... Of my reaction to the latest Fast and the Furious. Oh, they're amazing. Uh, the Fast and Furious <laughs> movies movie, are the actual amazing. like because the last Fast and Furious movie I really watched was the first yeah. one. And the first heist in the first Fast and Furious movie is to steal a truckload of VCRs. Yep. <laughs> and they're going they yes. And then I saw a preview for one where they steal a sub, apparently. Yeah, no, that's very good. <laughs> and that that is a level of escalation that I am now curious about. Oh, it's I amazing. <laughs> like, let's be very clear. It is amazing. Okay, we've talked about this, I don't think, on air. But the, 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 the story progression in Fast and the Furious movies is, is actually amazing. But what's, you know, the only, I think we talked about this on an episode. I don't think we ever talked about it on an episode. But I talked about the only disappointment of the entire series for me is the fact that in the, la- the most recent movie, they completely shift their focus. The entire movie's premise, really, all of them, is that family is what you make it. Like, your family is whoever yeah. your family is. It doesn't matter, like, you don't have to be related. You, don't, it's your fam- you make your family. And in the final, like, the most recent movie, they go completely against that, and it's all about obsessively chasing after this biological child that no one's ever met before. Which was really a letdown because it's like you've built this entire premise of this is that you're all family because you say you are, and then like oh, but this the most upset the thing the entire linchpin of the final the most recent one is like chasing this baby that is you know the main character's biological child with a with well, a, so like untold obsession it's it's kind of wild. Well, so since we're talking about Vin Diesel passion projects that are needlessly <laughs> yeah. complex, I definitely have talked about the Chronicles of Riddick on your, on oh, your yeah. show yes. before. Yes. Because it is such a good example of like, you know, Pitch Black is is the trancers in that there's some stuff you kind of don't need to know or don't understand, but it's fine because there's like action going on and you can just work with it. Right. And then Chronicles of Riddick is the trancers four, <laughs> yeah. where, it's like, where it's like it's in a different universe and there's like... <laughs> like a thousand different alien races that are all fighting each other and there's a prophecy and you know so so yeah so i am i am absolutely a fan of of mythologies that become totally unhinged and lose sight of the fact that they actually have a story to tell um but but that does then lead back to transfers is before that happens right where there's just a story to tell (laughs) and there's something very endearing about the smallness of that Uh, no matter how much i love these totally like I bet there is some sort of cool explanation for why transfers are <laughs> what they are, you know? <laughs> right, right. But to, to transfers like credit, transfers. though, it feels like that mythology already exists in this movie, and we just don't know it. Like, yeah. Because none of it makes yeah. any sense. Here's the so thing. it's like, oh, yeah. for this all to fit together, there <laughs> has to be a mythology we don't know. All I can really say, Pat, is I, when I first watched this, uh, about halfway through the movie, I asked a lot of questions that uh, because I was like this movie makes no sense 
And now the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, yeah, they answered all the questions in maybe like five or six lines of dialogue at the very beginning. I just wasn't paying <laughs> right. enough okay. attention. You know, I, well, I'm uh, going to be rewatching it so I can watch the rest of the series. And, and I be, recommend it. I yeah. all I would rec I would say is this movie does not like build a universe. It just tells you about it very quickly at the very beginning, and then right. like the rest of the time, you just have to like remember, okay, who's whose ancestor? How does yeah. this device work? You know, it, it, because it's all in the first five minutes of this movie. Right. <laughs> right. I the only the other sort of like there's a couple things that I I did have real questions about. Uh, that that I that you know just I'm prepared to answer. Okay, that. I'm excited Perfect. to hear Ben answer some of these. <laughs> Number one, um, I did some research. Tanning booths uh -oh. have never worked that way. <laughs> okay, well that's <laughs> that's a statement, not a question. But I my question is: prove to me that there are ever tanning booths that work that way. Uh, there are stand-up tanning booths, but they, uh, as far as I know, cannot burn a man alive. No matter how much they're messing. Yeah, and they definitely probably have a a, a handle on the inside. Yeah, yeah you're so not locked in. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, so there's that. That's that's my first question. Prove to me that that's a thing. So um, let's pin that one. Let's. I want to yeah. hear your, your some. The of your second answers. one is, uh, I think, is his name McNutty? That's not my question. McNulty. Okay. For some reason, I thought it was McNutty, which I thought was very good. Um, I'm pretty sure it's McNulty, so like the guy from The Wire. Uh, okay, so uh. McNulty goes back like. Do they have to know who the the? I guess they have to know. It's not so much a question, I, really. I guess they have to know who the ancestor is to send them to yes. them, because yeah. it's like the only one we could find is it's like I was. They have the little girl, right? And it's like this is the only ancestor I could find. It's like, well, she clearly has parents yeah. who are also right. his genetic She's adopted, Pat. But like, yeah. I uh, I assume that's just because they couldn't identify who the parents were. I guess, but she's, no, she's adopted. She's adopted, and but she still has biological parents. parents. Yeah, but they probably no, couldn't find them. Yeah. So the, the thing is, if they um, if they could find Hal Ashby, for instance, right? Wouldn't it be like a lot easier <laughs> to send true, the woman true. back into point. Hal yeah. Ashby and get him to book it the fuck out of L.A.? That's but true. No. That's true. So right. obviously, they do need to like do some research they have to have like See, time I, agents who find I, these people i'm interested in letting you prove to me that this movie is a brilliant piece of work and so far you're yeah. successful so i listen if ben can't do it <laughs> i will but i i do think that this is like a, a lot better than you know <laughs> it seems to be on the surface yeah well pat, and i'm not pat, trying pat, to pick question. it apart i want i want that evidence to be out there i want i this is a this is more of a socratic method sort of scenario here we're, mm -hmm. we're, we're gonna run scenarios past you, and you're gonna you're gonna prove to me how awesome this is. Keep them coming. <laughs> yeah. Keep well, unfortunately, I'm out. There, everything. Well, else I have is one. Just though. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. I, uh, as as we just finished saying, here are the scenarios that prove that actually this is more sophisticated and and you know sci-fi literate than you think it is. I have one that just occurred to me the second time watching this. That okay. is the opposite of that. So. Um, <laughs> At the end of the movie, right, Whistler's, like, move that he's going to do that's going to kill Jack Death, he says, yeah. ah, but Jack Death, Jack, or not Jack Death, uh, uh, Phil Deathton, Deathton. right, uh, was going to marry Helen Hunt, and you are their offspring, so now mm -hmm. I'm going to kill Helen Hunt, which will kill you, right, because then you won't be born. Does right. that mean that he is 
having sex with, marrying, and starring in multiple <laughs> movies with his own great-grandmother. Yes, it is a Futurama yes. scenario, yeah. 100%. <laughs> Just making sure. I missed that the first time. Um, <laughs> but biologically, I, he's not. It's only it's only a consciousness. Right, it's uh, only the incest. more fucked up version of that. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, then it, it begs the question of, like, what happens to Phil Defton? Right, he's he's just a prisoner, like civil rights for Phil Defton or whatever. Yeah, because he's Phil just Defton's a prisoner. Consciousness for the next four is movies? in the void somewhere. Yeah, yeah. no, right. Phil. I I like the yeah. I mean, he's off. I don't know, doing some sort of transcendental like well, space exploration this or something. This isn't quantum leap. They don't. They don't. The consciousness doesn't physically go to the future and trade places. Right. Um, Ooh, quantum quantum leap, leap for some reason. <laughs> that is that is actually. It, that's something that Quantum Leap doesn't deal with for a while. It but does deal with it eventually. They reveal. At times, that's why yeah. I called it eventually a spoiler. I've re- watched two seasons right. of Quantum Leap. And right. I did not know that. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I apologize. Uh, but eventually it is revealed in the process of Quantum they're Leap. They're in a cage that the person, in the future. <laughs> right? A big yes, white exactly. box cage, yes. They keep them in a big white room, and they can go in and interview them about if they're having trouble, if Sam's having trouble. Um it is the best part uh, of Quantum Al Leap, goes in actually. and talks to the guy. Yeah. I think it only I think at least the first time it happens, it's because he's jumped into like a serial killer or something. Yeah, there's I, I think or it's somebody yeah. like it's somehow like somebody who's antagonistic to him or something, I think maybe, or yeah. something like mm-hmm. that. I don't I don't even it's been a while since I've watched apparently the third or fourth season of Quantum <laughs> Leap. Um, but uh, I do. I do but, now uh, want to like watch the rest of these, <laughs> not just because I just loved reading that uh, that yes. synopsis of Transfers Five, um, but also because I just want to see what happens with like, I like yeah. what happens with Phil Defton, <laughs> our good friend Phil see, Defton. <laughs> see, on on your question, what I'm really interested in is during the sex scene, uh, where where Jack. And McNulty are both taken back to the future. What does Phil think in the five minutes we're away? I, where where yeah, it has shown I've, up and he's just yes. having sex. And then, I'm fascinated by the fact that apparently he, finishes, he just keeps going. Yeah, he just goes. He's like, yeah. yep, this is all normal. Right, right. This is how it goes for me. This is my doesn't life. Question, doesn't question that his partner is calling him Jack. Uh, <laughs> but also... A little girl is in the room. <laughs> yeah. A presumably very confused little girl. <laughs> who just disappears from the narrative. This, is, this, is, this series is getting darker by the minute. This is a lot going on here. Um, I'm, I she, would I like to think also, about that. Oh, my God. It also means yeah. she doesn't react. She just sort of sneaks out of the room. Well, um, you're assuming that McNulty... Trans, uh, well, not trans. I suppose no. That's he fair. zaps back up the line at the same time. No, he does because he talks to him when he gets back. Yeah, they have yeah. a conversation when they well, get back. No, Ben makes a good point. It's time travel. Oh, he. Uh, so he comes back second. up the line but, to the same no, point. It's Hold not on, though. <laughs> it's not though. They're not doing that kind of time travel in this movie though. They are doing well, like, but uh, but concurrent time uh, travel. You know, there's there's some some editing magic. You know, like. It could be he zaps Jack back and then goes back to the little girl's bedroom and zaps himself back, and then we see them talking 
in the future later. Like, you know, it, it's, it doesn't have to be I as weird as guess. Adam <laughs> I suggests. Think it probably I is like that it weird, be. though. Let's, let's... <laughs> I, I just, I like uh, the idea that, like, um, he leaves, but then, like, he has a conversation with Jack Death in a moment that is from his past, but is Jack Death's present, <laughs> both of them in the yes. future's present. Oh anyway, I listen, I, this movie. <laughs> yeah. I, wa- I want to bring convoluted. up, I want to bring up one more thing that is unrelated to any of the sort of, uh, most of the meta things about this movie, which is Whistler's plan. You were talking about killing Helen Hunt and, and that being the plan. I would like to point out, he was going to kill Helen Hunt with a one story fall into a pool. Yeah. yeah. Yes. He's a, a he's fall a, he himself survived. Yeah, he survived. He's a criminal Fine. mastermind. He's he can't beat this this genius. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is the worst criminal that the 23rd century has to offer, which I think is probably <laughs> right. the most meaning. hopeful aspect about yeah. it is this is the worst that, that exists now. The worst uh, meaning like least effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. <laughs> I like to I like to believe that possibly the entire future is just humoring Whistler. Like it's just so like we can't we can't bear to tell him he's just not good at this. Right. So okay, but what if it's a yeah, we just let him do what this if it's stuff? a seven percent solution thing and the whole future is just humoring Jack Death? Ooh. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. Whistler's I'd terrible. <laughs> you go stop him. Yeah. Hmm. Well, so I, uh, I I think that the ending of this movie is really the only thing that I find. Um, dis- really disappointing about it. Uh, the sort of yeah. climactic fight taking place in like, you know, a dark street <laughs> outside of a building. Yeah. Uh, when knowing that it started with like this like weird future car oh, yeah. rolling up to this neon diner, and it's like I wish something was happening. You know, I wish this Mom. was not like, <laughs> I, you know a drunk in a trench coat and a man throwing a woman <laughs> off a roof. You know, uh, here's what right, I'll say. Right. I I not to be like not to dig too deep into it. But I'm going to go out on a limb that even those B-level sci-fi um, special effects were pretty expensive. Yeah. Uh, and, I think that's probably right. Yeah. And they're like, well, you know what? This could end with this guy who's a little bit drunk chucking a bottle at a guy. <laughs> <laughs> that costs almost no money. I guess I'm just saying maybe they should have used their budget differently. <laughs> yeah. I, spent you, the money you're probably the last right. Section. Yeah. True. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. they wanted to rope you in, and they didn't really care what happened after that. You know, you, well, you're in your you're in the seat now. Uh, you've gotten through. They that spent a lot intro. of money building that stand up tanning room. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> Which is a. I like to believe that that, that they're actually like a band is actually using like this. Yes, I had this invented for me. <laughs> right. I should have put a handle inside. Or they like they went to like a garage sale from like the the Star Trek props department and were yeah. like, "Give us one of your elevators." And yeah, we're yes. going to call it a tanning bed. <laughs> and that's that's really it looks like he's in some sort of future prison. Yeah, it does. It up, really right? does. It's pretty wild. Yeah. And to the to the point where I thought we were supposed to think that until I think maybe you are kind of I think that it is yeah. supposed to be a visual trick to a certain extent. Um, but I it sent me down a weird rabbit hole where I literally just researched 1980s stand up tanning booths to find out if any of them <laughs> ever looked like that because they existed and I just was like I gotta know like were there any ever that looked yeah. like that and it turns out the answer to that question is no stand up tanning booths basically just like a regular tanning booth turned on their side yeah go figure <laughs> I mean yes well they're not rooms a stand up tanning booth like that is is what you would use for a spray tan more than yeah that's yeah. true yeah an yeah. actual 
But this is Chris Lavery's patented tanning method. True, so he may yeah. have invented it. You never himself. know. It yeah. Could, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Lavery, not as dumb as he looks. Well, that's that's sad because I guess it's just it is all about the hair then because like he's clearly yeah. got a fairly strong mind if he can invent that. Um, that's fair. He just should have had slick back oh, hair and he would have been fine. In the in the uh, ethics of this universe, uh, <laughs> inventing a cool tanning bed is not as <laughs> as important as inventing a cool robot toy. That is right, just, okay. you know, in the weird <laughs> ethics. I, I've I any any movie that uh, has a scene where a cop beats up punks children um, yeah. is a fascist movie, and right, this movie's right. fascism is focused on like everybody must love dolls, everybody must you know like <laughs> uh, uh, want to see women in in only in underwear and leotards and uh, yes. you know, whatever like. And and elf costumes. Yeah. <laughs> what a, what a very specific fascism this is. It, uh. That is, listen, Charles Band might be the face of very specific fascism. You know, like <laughs> if, if there's any theme, <laughs> to, his, to his work. <laughs> and maybe that's where this fits into the broader Lost in Criterion experience. Charles Band is on his way to <laughs> trying to commit a coup. <laughs> To extremist right wing oh political <laughs> action. Yeah. Yeah. All geared towards leotards and and, and slick back Leotards hair. and toys. And toys. Yeah. Yeah. Dolls. Dolls. And dolls. Dolls. It's a lot of dolls. Sometimes every sometimes, Charles Band movie we have watched has a doll. Yeah. In it. And yeah, sometimes it. they're like uh they're people human sized but dressed to yeah. look like they are a doll. <laughs> Other time they are human looking but the size of a doll. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> there, and of course always a doll of some kind. Tim Thomerson even also stars in a Charles Mann production called Doll Man yeah. where he's actually not a doll. He's just a very small, small alien. <laughs> and that tells you something about Charles Band where he thought, What's what would you call a very, very small person? Oh yeah, it's a doll. That's yeah. that's just yeah. a doll. Right. <laughs> So Dull what we're man. learning is actually, never go to Charles Band's house is what we're oh, all Yeah, learning. don't go to his <laughs> Romanian <laughs> castle. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Not a safe place to hang out. Uh, that's a, that's a real fact. Charles Band that is a yeah. castle. <laughs> In Romania, where they shoot some of the movies. <laughs> they apparently filmed one of these, these trancers there. <laughs> Transfers four. That does not surprise me. Yeah, yeah. and the I guess there's a transfer six. Time. So one thing that I've I've now gone to the Wikipedia page Wait, for Jack six? Death. Yeah, so I've gone to the Wikipedia <laughs> oh, no. page for Jack Death of the Person. Uh, and yeah, I went there uh, too. Yeah. So this is what I love is you know how there's like headlines on a Wikipedia page where it lays out <laughs> the order. So under the films section, under appearances, you would expect it to say transfers, then transfers two, uh, transfers three, etc. Instead, it says films. <laughs> Number one, Jack Death is back, and he's never even been here before. <laughs> Number two, the future cop is back. Number three, the end of time is just beginning, dot, dot, dot. Number four, time waits for no man, dot, dot, dot. Death lives, dot, dot, dot. Number five, the final chapter. Do you think number six and then number six <laughs> you same attitude Charles... different sex so this is oh, why man. you haven't heard of this one <laughs> tim thomas is not in this one <laughs> and also uh, probably because my microphone wasn't er working earlier when i was talking about, about okay. it oh, shit. <laughs> sorry he um, had mentioned number six oh, okay but, i yeah. was gonna say like do you think i mean how what percent uh influence do you think charles band has over the wikipedia page of jack death 
Uh, I'm going to say a lot. Yeah, right? Like, probably yes. a lot. If we went back and looked at the revision history, there'd be a lot I'm, of suspicious Romanian now. IP addresses. Probably. I'm looking now to see what I can learn. <laughs> um, uh, do you think... I, I, I hate to get us off of Jack Death, and we can, of course, come back Don't to it, it. after, yeah. after Stephen learns what he's looking at. But do you think that on the set of Mad About You, Paul Reiser... <laughs> talked about aliens and Helen Hunt was like, Oh yeah, I was, I was in a sci-fi movie in 85 as well. Uh, yeah. I wonder how proud of this ooh, she is. Interesting. <laughs> I bet she's proud of it. Yeah. I mean, she did come back. She came back in after times. Mad About You yeah, started. That's she what I'm came saying. Back so and, she must really like doing this series, right? This must just be fun to do. I guess she enjoyed it a couple of times. This let's be clear. Having not seen number two or number three, but having seen many other Full Moon movies, there remains the possibility that she did not actually return for those oh, okay. movies, just, but they just <laughs> used footage from this one. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, but I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to write out. Write off either possibility. I guess. I just really like Steven, the idea you that find she's what you're looking for? to this I mean, character. No. So the person who's like very very interested in keeping the Jack Death Wikipedia page up to date is into in interested also in uh Phantasm Ravager, which is like a sign. Um yeah. but also into um some like uh Graham Ronald Strachan, who's like an Australian singer songwriter. Uh, you, so far, you have not ruled out Charles Band. I'm not hearing anything that's <laughs> ruling him out on this. You know, honestly, <laughs> it's He's the, got the his... only editor in 2014. I don't. The thing is, like, it doesn't have to be Charles Band because Charles Band's right. campaign has been so successful that okay, he has yeah. like he has like people who will buy a hundred dollars worth of leather jackets with the full moon logo on them. So, like, right. it, it doesn't need to be him. There's like a so, whole. He's tranced a, a whole army. Yeah, I was, I was wondering, do you think Charles Band in this era was trying to issue a, a warning about himself through this movie? <laughs> it's like, you guys don't understand. I am going to lose control of this, and it's going to spiral out of control. You have to yeah, stop Yeah, because in the 90s, the 90s were really like a time where he was doing uh, this thing called Video Zone, which was like endless infinite self-promotion of like <laughs> comics trading cards clothing uh actors t-shirt you know just everything guys i have an idea and this might blow the whole world up okay uh -oh. what if uh who's who's the band the band kid who's in oh yeah charles band. charles band's son alex band is the lead singer of the band the calling okay here's my Here's my premise. Okay. Alex Band, all right, takes his money from his hit, hit single. Um, uh, what was the name of the calling song again? Steven? Oh, Anyone? gosh. Um, <laughs> if I could, then I yes, would. Yes, yes. I'll, I'll go wherever you will go. Every, yes. Go wherever you will yeah. go. There you go. Had to, had to sing it until yeah, we I get I mean, I just know you. all the words. When all someone right. was like that that band, uh, some of the people on our call were like, oh, whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah. they have <laughs> one song that I know <laughs> every here's, word to. <laughs> here's my idea. Alex Band or one of Alex Band's descendants, the reason Charles Band's movies in the 80s 
start franchises that go way off the rails is that Alex Band's great-grandson (laughs) (laughs) has traveled up the line (laughs) and has taken over Charles Band in very specific moments of time. And Charles Band then comes back into his reality has no idea what these movies are or where they came from, <laughs> but knows that they were popular enough that he needs to make a sequel to them. Okay. And he has his own very specific tastes that are totally different? Yes. Ah. Uh, here's another theory, because Charles Band's grandfather, Max Band, was a landscape artist who wrote a book called History of Contemporary Art. His dad, Albert Band, was also a filmmaker Perhaps there is an entity, uh, a, char- a band entity, which inhabits every generation of right. band. A whistler that's like coming through. <laughs> oh, gosh. Ah, <laughs> uh, the band supremacy. Jeez. <laughs> oh, no. The band legacy. Band identity. Wow, listen. <laughs> I'm not doing there, I'm we, not participating. We made it through the whole scene. Jason Band. <laughs> Band to be wild. Wait, hold on. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to do a like something band like Jack band, band or something. Yeah. It's like, how do we get the Jack Reacher? Uh, the future world that they have, where uh, Los Angeles is underwater and has been officially renamed Los Angeles. I love uh, that somebody was like, we the... should reissue this assi- a sign of this and uh, rename the place. Yes. This. <laughs> like, I love any time a movie's like, this is a thing that happened. Also, Los Angeles. What a good, what a good gag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's just really professional graffiti. <laughs> yeah, yeah, somebody like put a lot of time and energy into it. It's like into figuring out what the T was supposed to look like. <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> I I am sure that there is a guerrilla artist working in Los Angeles today who has put up plenty of Los Angeles signs all over. I'm going to go out and let me say this more than advertise the movie Los Angeles. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Written by uh, Chris Merrill and directed by Feedin' Papa Michael. I've never never even heard of this. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Um, it's a guerrilla marketing campaign for for a movie for a that is presumably quite old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I love that the cops and uh, like the the regular uniform police officers he encounters in the future are dressed like Grand Moff Tarkin. Um, yeah. Uh, and then the troopers he encounters are. Uh, are something very Star Warsian, but quite different to that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then, and I said this, I said this to to Ben at the time that that portion, the his interactions with the police structure of the future, uh, reminded me very much of uh, the Fifth Element, which obviously comes after this. Uh, so I want. <laughs> I wonder if if that's an homage. It might could be. It's it very not. well it's could be. Not. It could be. You <laughs> never know. Anything's possible. Uh, it's it's just so wild to think about yeah. um, how I didn't know really any of this existed. I had a vague sense that Puppet Master existed, uh, and there right. were like a lot of them. But there's like a like I said a whole parallel universe, and it would be. 
extremely weird if some very very prominent filmmakers did not also have an obsession with this gigantic parallel universe so i would be very curious right. if you know luke besson was secretly like a trancers fan yeah. I, I actually yeah. would not be surprised i'd be surprised if there were no famous people who were like oh well you know what i got really into recently is this full moon features thing or whatever just never Some of us it. recently watched Waterworld and there was a point where he was diving down into Los Angeles and bringing up a bag full of, you know, street signs and stuff that really reminded me of Kevin Costner diving down and bringing up his own bag of garbage. Yeah, dirt. Mm. Yeah. But I think Stephen, I think that's that's very much a in the realm of possibility, right? To the point that it would be kind of surprising if it didn't. And I think of uh, comparably, perhaps, Terrence Malick's obsession with uh, Green Day and the fact that... <laughs> <laughs> no, this is... <laughs> it is a true fact that Green Day is Terrence Malick's favorite band and that the... Uh, what movie was it? I think it was uh, uh, when he was editing uh, The Thin Red Line. When he was editing The Thin Red Line, he only listen to Dookie the entire time he was editing oh the Thin Red Line. That's madness. <clears throat> like, while he was editing. Like, as far as I can tell, he was not listening to the audio of the Thin Red Line <laughs> <laughs> while he edited the movie. Um, it's, that's extremely wild. <laughs> <laughs> which is extremely wild, which is why I would not at all be surprised <laughs> if, if someone else, whose name we know... <laughs> has an obsession with Charles Band movies. Who was it that did the did that unreleased documentary that uh Oh uh Sphere Penelope Spheris. Yeah. Is that her name? I think. Something close to that. The decline of etc. Wayne's world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> decline of etc. <laughs> the decline of etc. No the <laughs> I can't remember her name, but yes, you're right. Penelope Sveens, um, or Spheris. Spheris. Yeah. <laughs> not Sveens, not Sveens. Right. Uh, Penelope Spheris uh, did a documentary that apparently has not seen the lights of day, uh, but it's called Holly Weird, and it is, uh, it is a behind-the-scenes look at the making of a uh, early 2000s Charles Band production, um, particularly one we've seen. Um <laughs> Which, but I can't remember the title of. Yeah, and, and uh, Holly Weird is a red link on Wikipedia. Or what happened in it? It was the one where the uh, the tiny headed man has the oh, girl yeah. band in the oh cage. Blood God. dolls. Blood dolls. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Just wow. That one was. And the that plot one of, was one of the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the plot of Blood Dolls is that a a powerful psychic who has a very small head. Uh, <laughs> The has end. a machine <laughs> has a machine that transfers uh his political enemies in consciousness into dolls who are then his murder slaves wow um, and they go around and and kill and other political slave. enemies yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh and also racist yeah um, it's it's one of the worst <laughs> ones and also if i find yeah. like looking at the um at like the credits for it. It's directed by Charles Band, produced by Charles Band, written by Charles Band, story by Robert Talbot, 
And then in parentheses, <laughs> Charles Band. Is <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. It looks like Robert Talbot is is literally just a, a pen name for Charles Band. Uh, anyway, yeah, I would love yeah. to see a, a doc like it. Yeah, uh, you're you're exactly right, Adam, to point to that example because there are for sure people who have like gotten into this rabbit hole and i i would imagine that a lot of people who get into this rabbit hole and dig for like what is the deeper truth the deeper truth is charles band is a weirdo who makes movies yeah. that <laughs> appeal to weirdos about his weirdo stuff and that's it right it, there's not like some right. he doesn't have like some secret thing he, he just likes money and he likes making yeah. weirdo movies. That's it. <laughs> it's like he found a way. Yeah, <laughs> he found a way to make that money, and he he fills a niche that exists. Right? You know, doll the market perverts. is there. Yeah, doll, <laughs> perverts. doll perverts. And also, like you know, uh, he. Uh, I think he was one of the first to make uh, a a coronavirus exploitation movie too. Corona zombies. <laughs> yeah. So, indeed. Wow. Yes, indeed. You know. He has. He now actually has two Corona exploitation movies, as he calls them on his website. Goodness <laughs> <laughs> gracious! Uh, anyway, which is also to say, his production time has not been extended. Yeah. Through the, maybe it has been extended a little bit through the pandemic well, that he's only managed two. And so maybe only that's two Corona exploitation movies. Right, he's done. I think other. There could be stuff. others. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so maybe that's yeah, I mean, what appeals to me. You can't put the entire production staff on that. I mean, he's got to make Transfers 12 or whatever. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think maybe that's what appeals to me so much about uh, Transfers is that it is like uh, an early band and maybe one of the least like horribly bandy of all the band movies. You know, like <laughs> yeah. the idea that you could even say this Full Moon Pictures movie like does some homage and in fact draws some inspiration from Blade Runner is like already, you know, so many steps removed from like, you know, uh, I don't know, um, Castle Freak or, (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) Uh, as far as like what it, what it felt like to like work on it and build this thing. It just doesn't, it's, um, it's like a real movie. And a lot of times full moon movies don't feel like real movies. (laughs) Right. Right. Blood Dolls does not definitely does not no. feel like a real movie. <laughs> For example, <laughs> um, feels, yeah, that feels like a nightmare. Channels, um, uh, uh, That's the best musical I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I mean, Doll Man, Doll Man versus Demonic Toys. Uh, yeah. That's definitely not a real movie. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, it had it had it's a real short is what it is. Yeah. And then it has it has forty five minutes of uh other movies <laughs> <laughs> footage put into it. Um Well so I think you know, in in the interest of thinking of this in the band sort of structure, one thing that I think is very typical of band movies is it's totally impossible to identify the politics of a movie. 
um, yeah. that Charles Band is involved with in <laughs> any way. Yes. Um, you know, be, like, so in this movie, for instance, it seems, it, I, and I do stand by what I said, that this is a fascist movie. It is just a fascist for the ideology of Charles Band's, yeah. like, vision <laughs> yeah. of cool. But not politically, right? Because, so for instance, there is a scene where it's like, oh, punks who disrespect authority get their asses beat by a cop. But then there's another part where the cop is like, you know, uh, Helen Hunt says to Jack Death, "You you tricked him. You lied to him." And he's like, "Yeah, that's what cops do, or whatever, right?" Um, which yeah, I wrote probably that down too. Yeah, and then there's another part where he's like, "You know, this they're rounding up the homeless folks in this town, and that's unfair and bad." And no one right. person like believes all of those things, <laughs> right? <laughs> like sincerely, it's just the politics also, are incomprehensible to me. <laughs> there's also legitimately that the modern day NY, er, not NYPD, the modern day LAPD uh, appears to at least partially willingly be working with Whistler, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> or at least is so full of dum-dums that, uh, <laughs> that they are easily corrupted by Whistler's, uh, Whistler's mind method. Like when they show up and Jack Death is like, Whistler, you're mind-controlling people, and all these cops, and Whistler's like, yep, <laughs> that's right, and all the cops are like, <laughs> yeah, I guess we should still point our guns at this man, though. <laughs> right? Right. So even that, like... It's weird. I mean, it's in, like Charles I said, Band is definitely... Yeah, Charles Band is almost certainly one of those people who he believes that he makes apolitical art, right? Um, but uh, there is still a weird politic in it. Maybe, maybe inconsistent, uh, but definitely not incomprehensible. <laughs> People's politics are inconsistent. Uh, and even within this movie, its view of authority is weird. Like, the... In- He's fighting to save this triumvirate that rules over L.A. in the future. Um, yeah. Like, what is the political situation of 2030 uh, Southern California, whatever they are actually well, calling and Los then, Angeles like, at the time? There, no, Everybody in the story agrees that they are the best people to be ruling Los Angeles. Right. Like, there's nobody right. in, like, Whistler's the only sort of dissident that doesn't appear to be based on politics so much as Whistler just is like hates that authority yeah like just because, wants to like because of his own trauma right it's very um yeah, yeah it's like they they're like they are acknowledged to be oh yeah these are the ideal rulers for this this apocalyptic right. wasteland and if it yeah. weren't for I them mean, we'd, we'd still be here right it's I mean you both yeah. are, are basically saying this but the movie I think it would would if it could describe itself describe itself as just not interested in politics um yeah but at the same time right the fact that is it is uninterested in politics on the one hand and also is like yes but cops are great and you know bad cops are bad and uh you know the the ruling class in la deserves to be saved those are really all political statements right Uh, and the reason that they feel pretty inconsistent is because band is not conceiving of them as political speech of any kind he's conceiving of it as just plot right and so i'd be very curious to i I bet his politics are actually very boring and mostly annoying like slightly conservative mostly about him keeping his money you know and uh he's privileged white doesn't have to think about politics and so you know this kind of like muddled politically inconsistent but mostly 
in favor of ruling class with money, you know? <laughs> right. Surprise. Right. Chris Nolan's latest last Batman movie also turned into like apologia for <laughs> right. the white ruling class with money or whatever. So, you right. know. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And, and maybe it's, maybe it's banned. Maybe it's, it's the writers shining through, but there is also legitimately, I think something to be said of the political aspect of our main character, uh, the hero cop being named Jack death, right? Uh, that, that is his, his entire MO is murdering people who are predisposed to crime. Right. Uh, and and in that manner, it's not that different from say uh, our Christmas episode. What four years yeah, ago? Cobra. I was going to say uh, the yeah, same Cobra. thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's a, okay. Notes. I will point out that I <laughs> yeah. am fascinated by the fact that we've looped it back around to this, which is just that, but like a little bit different, right? Like this is, yeah. I'm fascinated by that, like because Cobra is the same nonsense, right? It's the, the same like, right. oh, I'm not making a political statement. I've just made this really cool movie about a cool cop like saving the day or whatever right like right. it's the same garbage right and like right. you're right to say that like there are, that that within that spectrum of people who make these kinds of movies they're like oh yeah no i just it's just a movie man it's fine it's whatever yeah it's just what it's just i made it it's it's not like a thing yeah and you know and their audience a lot of their audience also has the ability to buy into that sort of that fictional universe right and be like yeah it's not political it's just like yeah jack death is named jack death because it's cool like not because yeah. it means yeah. anything right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that cobra is kind of like um uh if if we think of uh film catalogs as creating alternate universes um golan globus is its own uh, alternate universe and that's Cobra is the transfers of that universe right. so <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh, yeah Beverly I, I had in my notes right so I think right. oh, well I was I just remember <laughs> when we, we at the very beginning of that um, uh, at the very beginning of that um, uh, uh, Cobra episode I said something like no movie has ever like announced its disinterest in my my viewership right. as quickly as Cobra, like <laughs> a cop punching a journalist right. in the face for questioning his ethics. Um, right. And Charles Band is very good about not like doing that. Uh, it's embedded in the movie that the movie will slowly but surely chip away at you know and make it clear you know that it's not for you if you're not like you know a white. Forty to fifty year old right. man who's into like dude <laughs> yeah. rock, you know, or whatever. All right. Um, it will assure you over time uh, that it is just not for you. Um, Transfers is not the least, the the biggest offender in this area. Though, well, so. and, and I think <laughs> what's right. what's interesting about that, and Cobra fits into the same category. And one of the reasons it got picked up forever ago is because I found out it was a Christmas. It takes place at Christmas, and then also. Um, you know, it it gets made fun of a lot. Like it is a subject of people making fun of bad movies, and um, and w- what you end up with here is in that situation. And this is that like there's the group of people that these movies are for, and then there's all the people who end up watching it who ostensibly these movies are not for, but have this outside perspective. You know what I mean? Like who don't listen to who aren't 50 years old and don't listen to dude rock that, that watch it 
I guess from from an external perspective, as though it's sort of like an an ant farm or something being assembled. I don't <laughs> and. and 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 like, but then again, like you get into this the unfortunate side effect of that, which is like we are still paying this ant farm to be assembled, right? Like, we we still yeah. spent well in theory. I mean, whoever owns Tubi, I guess, paid for this to be assembled, and I <laughs> gave them my, and none of their ads loaded on my on my screen. So I guess <laughs> I I didn't even do anything Good. weird. They just never showed up. I was like, all right, I thought I thought Tubi was ad sponsored, but all right, I guess we're yeah. just watching this movie. Uh, but yeah, it, it's that's the unfortunate side effect of that is that like we can be outside, but because by the nature of the you know nightmare capitalist system we're in, we're still inside, right? Like even when we want to be outside, we're inside because we can't we can't see it without being inside, right? And that's well, it's uh, I mean, I, it's very it's very weird to think about ourselves as being complicit with you know the making of of something like Trancers 6 or whatever you know yeah like, yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah it's really it's right. very upsetting actually to think about but uh, yeah it's weird to think about yeah i mean you know and and you could really drill deep and uh and talk about all the different small choices you should make in your life to be more ethical and less <laughs> complicit with capitalism or whatever and um uh, yeah, I don't know. There's an argument that could be made that participating in Charles Band's like fascist male supremacist <laughs> universe, yeah. um, you know, is is dangerous. But at the same time, I, you know, I I can't picture somebody who's been who's a who's a, a band bootlicker listening to this podcast and be like, oh, they really like Charles Band. Like, right, no, right. You true, might true. Have misunderstood. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Yeah, I mean that's yeah that absolutely and 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 you know it and then you know we don't. I probably don't want to go down any sort of deep rabbit hole about like, you know, whether or not like people who have to s- exist in this system should also have to dedicate every moment of every day to avoiding perpetuating things that they don't <laughs> like inside of that system. Right. It's like, oof. but uh, yeah, no Charles band in the, luckily, like I said, I mean, I guess all you have to do is, is, have weird internet access and not end up watching into the advertisements <laughs> to not support <laughs> Charles Band's efforts. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I will say earlier I hinted that, uh, one of the people involved with our, our weekly thing, um, pays for some sort of service that is not true no money is going into right. the full moon <laughs> coffers <laughs> we have found ways to um participate with as observers right <laughs> as and that's buttons. yeah right exactly yeah we're not we're not paying for this to happen right yeah, yeah. i mean it's just uh, so interesting man. to see a cop movie that is like uh there every cop movie is like you know fascist in its own way um and it's just so so uh the view of like what the role of a cop is is so unsophisticated in this movie that it is kind of even hard to pin down how it is explicitly pro cop or fascist except that it is just like pro cop but like the the mechanics of that are much more confusing in this in right, but transfers than it is in cobra for instance right where it's right, like right. cops are not fascist enough is really the message of cobra right, right? of cobra yeah absolutely <laughs> right. well see what i would argue though is that the what the complications in the message about the nature of cops in this is derived from the fact that they're the premise is actually so simple that it creates weird sort of uh ripple effects in the movie which is jack death is the only good cop right (laughs) right 
That is the Across premise. centuries. Across Jack Death all is the of history and time, Jack Death <laughs> is the only good cop. And so when and, and like which is sort of I guess the 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 if you take that as the only fundamental premise, then everything he does makes sense. Right. And everything about <laughs> and the everything movie the makes cops sense. are doing makes sense. Yeah. It's, yes, cuz he's true. the right. only good one. And that's it. it's just it's they just so simple that it doesn't make <laughs> yeah. it doesn't appear to make sense in any other in any context, right? I think, yeah, that's generalizable as, like, Charles Band thinks he's the only person in the universe, right? And yeah, so, yeah, and that and the, that explains a lot of the politics in this movie, right? And because yeah, it's the like, protagonists of his movies are always basically the only person in the universe. <laughs> Everybody else are either antagonists or accessories, you know? Anyway. Or possible transfers. Or possible transfers. Uh-huh. <laughs> Squids. Or dolls. Or dolls. Squids and dolls. Squids that's the whole, dolls. the whole universe. Squids and dolls. Is that Ben your uh, new favorite musical? Squid dolls. After uh, <laughs> bad channels, squids and dolls. It might be, uh, yeah, it might be the top slot. <laughs> uh, man, uh, good news for Trancers Two. If uh, anyone decides to continue this series, uh, Trancers Two is when uh, other noteworthy uh, full moon peripheral, not peripheral, primary. Uh, protagonist Jeffrey Combs joins the cast. Phew. Uh, so, if, uh, the reanimator himself joins uh, joins in. Um, so my question guy. is: is that um, what I'm getting though? Is that because I've not watched uh, nearly as many of these as you guys clearly have. <laughs> um, what I'm trying to get a hold of is. He's definitely seems to create an alternative universe, but the alternative universe is essentially is adjacent to ours in the sense that it's the Charles Band universe. It's not like a Marvel Cinematic Universe where all the movies are connected through the characters that they they share. So, Pat, oh no, he wants to do yeah, that. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what I'm uh, trying to get a feel for because again, I'm not as familiar with the the oeuvre as uh, you guys appear to be. Eventually, the crossovers Here's okay. the take place. Yeah, so. You know, the movies are not designed always to be that, but like as they branch into their weirdo paths, they start intersecting with each other. And that's how you end up with something like what bad channels that is like four different franchises coming together into one movie or whatever. So what you're telling me is, is that Charles Band is the Robert Heinlein of films. Um, where all books apparently I think that works on multiple levels yes. yeah yeah and like the, the fascism <laughs> the self-obsession yeah. and having all the books just weirdly mesh together at some point despite not being written in the same universe at all for sure yeah yeah um, I think okay, I, one of the biggest differences uh, Robert Heinlein books are, are very enjoyable to read <laughs> okay all right well uh, I, I did enjoy myself watching this despite all the problems but yeah uh, i think you, yeah we picked a good one because this is one of the ones i did enjoy <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um i'm so glad that he kills a santa at the beginning <laughs> so that yeah. so that we can es- establish that this is suitable for this uh, this and this episode alone yeah. yeah oh man um mad santa bad santa did people Santa. have? Um, I, ha- I just have Santa fight in caps. Yeah, in I was, caps I was in about to say. Is that your only note? Favorite. That's one just of my one favorite big things note that in the middle of the, the show is 
people looking back through their notes and, and highlighting stuff that we haven't <laughs> mentioned yet. So if anybody has any of those, I really would love to hear them. So I adamantly <laughs> refuse to take notes on any movie we watch for this podcast. It's a rule I have. I used to take notes and I don't do it anymore. I'm like, nope, we're going to see what emerges and what doesn't. This is, it's all, it's generative at best uh, for me. I, I legitimately liked the, uh, the, th- three homeless guys they interact who call themselves their three kings 100%. i liked that interaction uh the my other all caps note is helen hunt shot a cop yeah, um, yeah. well he wasn't he wasn't jacked good up job, so helen he's hunt. not a real cop um so yes. to keep that in <laughs> the only real uh, notable thing from my notes is uh, i wrote the word wait <laughs> I think it's I think it's related to the moment where it finally clicked with me that Jack Death was married to his own great grandmother. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, yes, uh, I, yeah, <laughs> yes, it's yeah. <laughs> Got to clean that all up, and then <laughs> I think that even less than what twelve hours after I I saw it for the first time, uh. I'm only imagining that little girl McNulty winks at the camera at the end. I know she looks at the camera, but I don't think there was a wink. <laughs> I don't, I don't think. Oh was. no! I, it's yeah. definitely a knowing look. I'm not sure if there's a wink, but <laughs> yes. yeah, there's definitely a knowing look. Um, so my question I have is, they send Jack Death down the line or up the line. I get confused about which direction is up and down, <laughs> frankly. Um, to 1985 to stop Whistler. My question is, if your ethics of policing allow you to do this anyway, why not go further up the line and just murder someone in Whistler's family and just stop the whole line earlier? Because you then know? you're the bad guys, Pat. I think that I don't is think you forward, are in honestly. this movie, though. I, that's my <laughs> point, is I don't think you are in this movie. Like, I don't think that the I mean, movie acknowledges fair. that that's what makes him a bad guy. Uh, I don't know. That's, the, the movie. that's part of talks about this <laughs> yeah right like the mo- in the very opening scene they sort of established jack death is willing to kill the whistler body that's like lying on the table or whatever yeah right um and so like jack death is the only one willing to do that and in fact the only like character growth that he shows <laughs> is that he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't murder right. whistler right. true end. true yeah. so that's the main right. reason is in- even the even our good guy the the, the slimiest yeah. good guy i think in in a lot of movies uh still isn't willing to do it so it is it is there's an to- the movie talks about it. <laughs> yeah. That personal growth also means that he unconsciously murders his own uh ancestor so i'm still waiting that. on transfers seven <laughs> right <laughs> right <laughs> confirmation on whether Philip or not that happens death or whatever it is <laughs> what, if, what if the rest of the transfers philip philip continues to exist in in five minute spurts every time <laughs> right every time Jack goes back to the like, future his his or, world is a nightmare sex. right <laughs> or has sex. is it i mean only existing yeah. for five minutes every five years or something like that. Seems and like you're having sex of... the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. We don't know that that's a consistent plot line, though. We, we're assuming a lot based on Charles. What it really Bain, matters. But... See, this is where the cosmology really comes back around. What matters is, uh, given given uh, Whistler's ancestors' confusion 
once Whistler is sent back up the line into nothingness. Uh, he has no idea where he is or how he got there or what happened. Uh, does that, that doesn't answer any of the questions about where the consciousness goes yeah. and whether or not it experiences anything when it's gone. True, but what it... Uh, <laughs> go ahead, sorry. So if, if Phil, as far as Phil's consciousness is concerned, uh, he was shaving in the morning and then having sex with that same woman again <laughs> at night. Right. Yeah. So, right. So what we're learning is and a lot then, about Phil's personality. That well, given no, that not. scenario, <laughs> he doesn't the stop the not. situation, yeah. but he doesn't question it. That's uh, yeah. fair. That, that, that's what I'm saying. We're learning about his personality is that given a scenario where he was shaving and then suddenly it's like the middle of the night and he's having sex, he doesn't cease the operation. Right. right. He's like, nope, right. this is all, this all checks out. This is how things are supposed to go. <laughs> Fair We're enough. We're going to keep going. Everything's coming up death to. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> like, I mean, if, if nothing else, we've learned that he blacks out for long periods of time and never questions it. Yeah, it's just normal for Phil. <laughs> right, right. So really, he's the, the ideal person for this, for, for um, Jack Death to go into, because this is a person for whom this is already normal. <laughs> Sounds right. Uh, anyone know the name of the Jingle Bells ro- uh, punk band? Because uh, I am interested in that song. <laughs> uh. I would like to buy that LP. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, it was it was not a great punk song. Um, it's nothing like the Star, uh, the Star Trek four punk song for sure. Ben, uh, you got anything in, in your notes? <laughs> well, I went down the rabbit hole also and have learned that in Transfers 3, a character's name is Colonel Daddy Muthu. <laughs> yes. Daddy Muthu hyphenated? Nope. Okay. Daddy is possibly either the first name or an alternate title to Colonel. <laughs> Colonel Daddy as like a sub daddy. <laughs> That's a, that's a very specific thing. A sub daddy. A sub daddy. Usually yeah. it's uh, yep. not that way, right? Yeah. Um, Human I mean, sexuality is fluid, Stephen. Yeah, no, that's fair right. <laughs> the thing that I thought a lot about this this watch was in the diner, there was a huge um, can of lard that had a lamp on top of it. Oh. And I, <laughs> so lard I just lamp. wrote down lard lamp. <laughs> that's, <laughs> lamp. that's another uh, that's another ranking within the the future military. Yeah. Lard yeah. lamp, Colonel Daddy, <laughs> lard lamp. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, the kid who's sitting on Santa's lap asks two times for John Doe the Mandroid. <laughs> yeah. Is that um, something? So that that could be another one. Yeah, it feels like it feels like a reference to a previous band thing, but I don't know for sure. Let's find out. It's got to be right. And like it also, the second be, time right? he said it sounded more like John Doe the Mandroid. Yes. So, so it could either be John Doe or John Doe. Uh, what? I, don't <laughs> I don't know. What's co- I just googled John Doe the Mandroid. And, it does uh, not get you a lot of results. <laughs> well, but it gives me something. In March 2006, a man named Jonathan Oxer used a veterinary ARFID tag implant implantation tool to implant an ARFID tag under the skin of his left arm. 
And then the citation <laughs> for that is Jonathan Oxer's blog, John Doe the Mandroid is ARFID enabled. But here's... <laughs> wow. What? <laughs> Many years ago, a good friend of mine started calling me John Doe the Mandroid, presumably because I kept talking about the f- a future that included things like body mods, etc. So... And this is uh, um, 2017, so I probably it's a reference to right. The, yeah. The, but that's the only <laughs> the only thing I can find is a man named Jonathan Oxer, whose nickname was John Doe the Mandroid. <laughs> huh. Do you think that he that his friends nicknamed him this because of actually because of this movie, and they just Almost never certainly. told him? I think that's probably right because I can't. They just find never informed else. him that it's this, and they're like. Oh, okay. You're going to call me John Doe the Mandroid. All right, cool. That's a cool nickname. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> How'd you come up with that? <laughs> apparently, apparently, the 1986 film uh, Eliminators, which is not Charles Band, but seems like it should be, <laughs> but is written by Paul Domeo and Danny Bilson. Uh, oh. And again, this is after... Uh, one of the characters in what appears to be a RoboCop thing is just referred to as Mandroid, but within the context of the film is called John Doe. John Doe the Mandroid. Oh. But this was after? Yeah. This is, this came out the year after. I mean, it's very possible that they're well, writing yeah, the so scripts they, at the they same did time. Like a, or... uh, they did like a, a <laughs> reference to their own movie that hadn't come out yet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> what was the name of that movie? Uh, okay. Eliminators right. from 1986. It's only a matter of time before we all watch Eliminators. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as long so, as they kill a so Santa. My, uh, my, like, the other thing that, like, what I ended up, apparently there was at least one volume of the Judge Dredd comic released in 2018 that, that is subtitled Mandroid, which is, I don't know. I think maybe that's just also a thing people think of. Yeah, Mandroid, I mean, it's a very easy combination of man and android, so I think there was a television show called Mandroid. There was a 1993 movie called Mandroid that was produced by a man named Charles Band. (laughs) Okay. All right, then. (laughs) (laughs) It's whatever. (laughs) Uh, It was originally called Mindmaster, and some early concepts were done by Jack Kirby, so... I don't know. It's like, uh, like I said, there's a whole parallel universe. You, you could spend a, right. a, a lifetime. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Is that early concept done by Jack Kirby in the same way that that not Stephen, uh, not Doctor Strange Dr. movie is uh, Doctor Mordred? Um, uh, I didn't look at the produ- the producers of uh, of. Uh, oh, don't worry. Years. I'm on there. Charles, it's just yep, Charles Band. Charles yeah, Band is definitely a producer on, of. On, uh, of eliminators, so yeah, it's an empire. <laughs> yeah, eliminators is an empire. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, so. Android is a full moon. If that gives you any. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Again, it was it was after Future Band was stopped from coming back into time. <laughs> um, <laughs> in whatever happened. Uh, <laughs> The uh, the alternative international titles for this movie include in Canada, The Guardians of the Future. Ooh, that's a good yeah. one. Uh, in Norway, Agents of the Future. In Turkey, Destroyer. 
In France, transers the cop of the future. Italy, transers race through time. And Mexico, zombie hunter. Nice. Every one of these is better. Uh. <laughs> Every one yeah. of them is like slightly more descriptive and more appropriate than just <laughs> What's happening here? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, uh, also, apparently, Bill Manfer- uh, Mannard, uh, who plays Hal, uh, was actually drunk throughout production. Uh, you would be too. And even the scene where he spits out a tooth... <laughs> Was because he actually lost a tooth. Um, Yikes! While filming. Wow. Uh, uh, which happened this week to uh, to a U.S. government official as well. I can't oh, remember really? which uh, which senator who had uh, a bout of COVID previously uh, lost a tooth during a press. I was going to say, like, it also happened to a certain ten year old boy who lives in my house. <laughs> but I guess that's not really the same. Yeah, it's probably probably for different <laughs> like, reasons you know, on all yeah. counts, but. Uh, uh, yeah. There's a um, CD box set of the Transfers one, two, and three scores on Amazon for nine hundred dollars. I was like waiting for it to end at nine dollars, and then nine hundred is just wow, just wow, nine hundred dollars. Oh no, oh boy. Well, if you want, if you want uh, that song, Adam, you got to do what you got to do, man. It doesn't even seem to be on. No, there. That's. It's all just the um, the music, the uh, you know, composed stuff. Uh, there is there is also on the TV tropes a little bit of trivia, uh, unsighted because it's TV tropes. So I I really don't know the possible truth to this, but uh, Chairman Ashby, the old woman, uh, chairman, the one who survives, uh, supposedly. <laughs> They cast Betty Davis in that role, but she couldn't do it because of scheduling conflicts. <laughs> that, okay. that screams made up. That's, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was right. really sweet. Right. Um, I mean, to be fair, she was she was working in '85. Um, but but yeah, it does definitely. So scream that made does up. bring up a thing I did think about while we were watching the movie. While I was watching the movie, though, was. Presumably, in this council of three, they all have specific skills that allowed them to rectify whatever was going wrong in Los Angeles. How do you think this city's being governed now that there's only just the one of them? And then also, I'm presumably, only one of them they're... through time has only ever existed. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be any method of replacing them. Right. Because uh, they're not talking yeah, about that. they're elected. They're, uh, this is just an assassination, right? So, yeah. anyway... Right. I was right. just I was just wondering in the council of three if it, you know what kind of what kind of uh, sort of you know what what do we think the social differences would be now that that only one of them really we have e- exists I, and ever has ever existed. I'm thinking about what sources we have to draw on if we want to get a picture of what the world looks and feels like <laughs> in that time period, and it is just the opening diner sequence, the beach scene, right. and then everything right. inside of the council. And that's that's everything we know about future right. society. And there are literally under a dozen people, <laughs> uh, you know, like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, it's a, I, I kind of wonder if maybe there are no other people. It's, it feels right? like it. <laughs> so is the, the possibility exists that like they're the council of three that rules over the other eight yeah. people in, in the city. And when that diner woman gets two cops, it's like two soldiers. It's like, <laughs> it's like oh, no, the population. The population. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, that's, why. that's why they're trying to stop 
stop him from eliminating people. So like, look, there's only like twelve of us left. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> yeah. stop. Come on, Whistler. We can't afford it. <laughs> yeah. There aren't a lot of us left. You can't keep doing this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> what a what a movie. I'm so glad to have watched this. It was very fun. Uh, I somehow hadn't watched it when when you guys watched it before. Um, was yeah. it part of or no? Part it was um, the the full moon movie night? Wasn't or it was one that we didn't vote on as a group oh, so yes. we electively watched it outside of it was the an group. Off-cut. yes for for the time the time around november this year where where the guy the program director had us voting on a movie directed by charles mand or scored by uh, <laughs> richard I R- richard richard band. richard band a battle of the band a battle of the band uh, he included um, an albert band movie <laughs> in the voting <laughs> yes he did yes he does um, do you, do you remember what, what week that was that, that won out? Was it the, uh, was it the prison ghost one oh, that won out movie. against transers? That was a terrible movie. <laughs> I don't remember. I could, I could look yeah. probably. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Um, but, oh, oh no, that was the three week cause we watched Ghoulies too. Oh yeah. The Albert band directed and then. But I, yeah, I really wanted to watch Trancers. So. Yeah, it's one uh, of the better ones. I I really well, enjoyed it. It is. It really is. Yeah. And again, a lot of a lot of the Empire work sets a bar that suggests that he was using money differently. I mean, Empire did go bankrupt, right? So, so maybe the difference between Empire and Full Moon is that he learned to budget in a way where he could continue to make more movies. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, what I've seen Charles Band do in the 80s has been at least watchable, right? Uh, and some, some of what he has done since uh since the 90s um and in the 90s has been significantly yeah. less watchable i think as the so. as his formula ossified right of how to like turn money into movies into more money uh <laughs> the movies stopped being yeah. focus <laughs> right and that's obviously true as well um uh i was a little disappointed uh, with the lack of prosthetic work uh I was. Uh, that is one thing I definitely enjoy about the full the full moon pictures, uh, right. are their dedication to practical the makeup effects, and, yeah. uh, even when yeah. even when they're bad. <laughs> um, uh, I would argue that probably most I know of that money went into shoulder pads, so you know you have to you have to pick your. There were a lot of shoulder and, pads um, in this movie. Yeah. One thing that was nice um, about this one is it did feel like it was filmed in real places. Uh, a lot of a lot of the, the full moon and empire movies feel like they're all filmed in the same cardboard box yes. with like some paper mache on the walls. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, in a series yeah. of large houses, the same castle, the band <laughs> yeah. family has bought with. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, does anyone have uh, have anything else? Uh. I think the most beautiful line in the movie was 
you can't you can't laugh while you're saying it. I can't even say it. <laughs> that gives the game away. Uh, when Helen Hunt said, "You said that making love to me was like an ethereal union of two lost souls," <laughs> which is something which is something Phil Deston said, right? Uh, which, if that's true, then if that's true, if Phil was on the level. And we have no reason to believe he wasn't. Oh, we, we do because he has a he has a full <laughs> yeah, we dresser get, we drawer full of women he's there, slept yeah. with. <laughs> okay, we do know that. So that's not true. But but it does still establish that that Phil has absolutely no qualms if he suddenly regained consciousness in the middle of yeah. sex. And, I mean, uh, that's the thing is every one of these questions we can drill down to, the movie suggests an answer to, which is weirdly how I right, talk about the, right. the TV show Lost, which has like so many unanswered questions. Yes. But like if you just drill down into the logic of it, there's something in the text that suggests an answer. And that's not true of every movie. That's like really something. <laughs> yeah. I, my, I think that my favorite line in the movie is... Um, I laughed out loud when when she, I laughed out loud both times when she says, "Did I give you my number?" and he says, "No," <laughs> and she says, "Oh, thank God!" <laughs> Just walks away. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was very funny. <laughs> Just really sort of yeah, quickly. I agree. That is very funny. And of course, the three wise like men scene too. is just—I uh, think—like an actually yeah. very, very good film scene. Just like very fun to watch. Yes. There is a. There is also just one other. A line that really stuck out to me which is when um the girl mcnulty girl comes into the room and later helen hunt asks if that was jack's boss and he says she yeah. thinks he is <laughs> yeah. and i yeah. just yeah, just thought that was good. kind of yeah. nice <laughs> it was good yeah i do well, previous holiday episodes i have ended by asking everyone their favorite movie they've seen this year hmm. uh, have you done that <laughs> I I did it at least okay. once. I think it was. <laughs> I remember it. I, I I asked Pat what his favorite episode we did this year was, and then to open it to the floor. Obviously, no one else was involved with the episode, so so I just asked what everybody's favorite movie they saw was. Uh, I remember doing it at least once. Okay. So uh, let's roll with it then. Let's do but, it. But uh, but at the same time, uh, anyone remember the last actual new release they saw? <laughs> I do. Yeah, it was the Lodge. Oh yeah. I did not like it at all. <laughs> hmm. I didn't. <laughs> what is that about? Oh. It's a it's a um a dad who has like two biological kids and a new girlfriend or wife or something and they go to this remote lodge yeah. and then the dad leaves and the kids are uh assholes. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, that's the last movie I saw in theaters anyway. Yeah. I, there have been yes. releases. Other new releases yeah, that but. you have seen since. I can't remember the last movie I saw in theaters. I I did the uh I did the Groundhog's Day marathon uh in February. And then I used one of those tickets and I cannot remember which movie I saw with it. Um and then mid-March I stopped leaving the house so. uh, it, it's looking like the last movie uh, I saw in theaters was uh, the rise of Skywalker a year and a half ago or whatever all right um, yeah a yeah. year ago 
Uh, yeah. yeah, that would have been my well, last. Well, that came one out too. in December, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. But I guess I, I you know, I've yeah. seen a couple Pat. of things. So I just went to my letterbox where I just like I mark everything that I watch, and I sort by release dates. And the newest movie that I have seen is the Borat sequel, which. Um, I would say if you're a fan, if you're not a fan of the original, there is no redeeming, uh, growing new thing that I would recommend you watch <laughs> in the Borat sequel. <laughs> but it is actually sort of sweeter and funnier than it has any right to be for how 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 um, useless and unnecessary it is. It's actually funnier and, and kind of more touching than, than it really ever would need to be. So that's, a, as, that's as lukewarm mm-hmm. a recommendation as I give, as it turns out. according to my letterbox i think the movie that i rated highest this year was little women back in february the the new one that might be that might have been the the one movie i used the ticket for uh because i did i did see that in theater um at the at the theater in question too so uh pat can you think of what your uh what your favorite movie we watched Ooh, this year was? I mean, uh, I was like the flipping collection. through it. Uh, Walker's definitely up there because it's just so fucking yeah. insane. The box set of um, the Varda films was really a really enjoyable experience. Yeah. Um, hmm. So looking at it, uh, let's see here. I'm trying to think if there were any other ones that I was like really. Um, hmm. I'm just looking through. Uh, Night on the Earth was was interesting for sure. I like that. That was the one about the uh, the taxi drivers. Yeah, yeah, and that, I I found especially the the Norwegian one was really just really interesting. Yeah. Oh, we watched Woman of the Dunes yeah. this year. W- the Woman in the Dunes. So that that was yeah. That whole box set yeah, was this was year. The, um, um, was the um was the what's his name? Uh, oh shoot! Did we watch? Uh, Fire Sweet the, movie and WR were this year. If that's what you're asking, no, I was uh, no, but uh, I was going to ask if Fire on the Plains was this year, but I don't think it was. Was that last um, year? Legetti was this year, and that was a that was a highlight as well. Uh, oh yeah, Fire on the Plains was last year. Sorry, Fire on the short. Fires on it's the Plane and Burmese Harper last year. So yeah, yeah, they were. I think and so was Woman Ascends the Stairs and some of those ones that I really, really, really liked. Uh, but yeah, I would say yeah. the Varda films were really a real h- highlight of this year. No, no, Woman of the Dunes. I think uh, I think that was March or Woman of the Dunes. The Woman of the April. Dunes was this year. But oh, I'm sorry, you said Woman Descends. Uh, Woman Descends. I stage. said that second. I, I, yeah, later. But yeah, no, Woman of yeah. the Dunes was this yeah. year, which I liked a lot. But if I had to pick a yeah. like retrospectively, like if I had to choose between that and the Varda films, I would choose the Varda films. Yeah. Um, we watched we watched a lot of very good films this year, and the Tesha Gahara and the Varda box sets were, yeah. were both highlights for me as well. Uh, obviously, we finished up this year with the not on a great note. I <laughs> yeah. think we have not our best. The movie you and I have watched that we uh, we hated the most. Yeah, we'll we, kick off next year. Right, it, next it's week actually kind with, of um, amazing that like we started off with films that we hated for radically different reasons. And I think we've come around some ways on, on them (laughs) at least, at least conceptually, right? Like we wouldn't want to watch them again necessarily, but like we now understand after watching so many other films where, why they, why they kind of exist and what they were trying to say. Um, whereas I don't 
imagine we're ever going to come around on Mishima. It just doesn't no. seem like that's ever going to happen. Uh, I certainly hope not, because that means we've become fascists and our <laughs> friends need to stop us. Yes. If uh, if we ever say something positive, particularly about a movie called Patriotism. Yeah. Uh, uh, friends, stop, don't please, subscribe anymore and come please step in. Help, uh, come help us, please. I, I also, it's a cry for I help. also just wanted to add that the prompt that I was given was movies I saw that were released this year, not movies I saw this year. So I just want to be very yes, clear. That's, right. that's, that's right. not that's saying fair. Borat well, movie was the favorite movie I watched. <laughs> yeah, no, this yeah, year. yeah. Of course. Okay. <laughs> I, I did think that that premise was not fair. I, I was like, no, when, that's when Adam that's asked that, it was I was a separate like, question to ask Pat. I get, I get, it was a separate question to ask Pat. Um, yeah, no, the the question was very unfair this I've year. Just, it's like, I've oh, seen a lot of movies. I see yeah, lots this year, of good yeah. movies yeah. except for this and year. The, yeah. the Borat was not my favorite one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what was your favorite gosh, movie that you've seen this year? Really... Then? That was a much better can you, question. Can you rank it? You set yourself up for the question. I know, you have but to the be thing prepared is, it's answer. harder to search Letterboxd for when did I watch. <laughs> I think I watched Midsummer this, this year. Oh, right. And um, I would count Midsummer mm-hmm. as one of uh, the best movies I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I watched Knives Out again, which is a perfect movie. Uh, oh, it is a, such <laughs> a good movie. Yeah, anyway, I tend to rewatch really a lot of things, out. but uh, but yeah, I I also uh, last night, for instance, I watched uh, Dolly Parton's Christmas movie for this year, um, and it was uh, pretty oh, bad, go. but but uh, cute. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Well, good. Bad, but cute. All right. I'm going to edit that out. We don't... I can handle the Charles <laughs> Band uh, fan base coming for us. Cannot handle the Dolly but, uh, Parton ones. Can I say some stuff about you, Dolly Parton and have them come get Mild criticism about Dolly Parton? It's not on the podcast. Yeah, no. I'm sorry. We don't want to step into Trillbilly's uh, territory and... I leave hounded. that to the yeah. Trillbilly's, exactly. <laughs> nearly hounded to death about it. Uh it's been real fun talking to you guys, and I am so grateful uh, to share this time with you and to have you here with us. Uh, thank you. As I said, it's uh, this finishing up next week is our eighth anniversary of doing this. Uh, oh, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Stephen was with us in the first year. Uh, you, uh, you started off, I think, what's your first movie, Armageddon? Um, or. Oh yeah. There were some other movies yeah. around Armageddon that you joined us for. There was a cluster that I did, but, like uh, Black Orpheus. Um, yeah. Uh, the one about yeah. hunting people. Yeah. Um, yeah anyway, I <laughs> yes. think I think though. The most dangerous game. It was a. It was an actual adaptation yeah. of the most dangerous. Game. But yeah, I think um, um, not not something just right. based on the but same I premise. Do, I do think that um, Armageddon yeah. was my first one, and what a, what a way to start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It's great. I'm so glad that Armageddon has such a low number. That's, I I have read some criticism of our, of our podcast that uh, focuses around the the fact that we go through this by Criterion's released order, the spine numbers, uh, and that because of that we are talking about movies <coughs> without seeing them in their historical context around other movies of the same time, uh, and I think that's valid criticism, but also a different project, right? There so. is a there is we talked about this off air one time, but there is actually a Criterion podcast yeah. that does them in chronological order, which I consider a fool's errand because yeah, <laughs> yeah there's no way to there's no they're going to keep it. adding yeah. movies to this, and then they're going right. to keep right. like when usurping you the ones you've already watched. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah, I was like, 
there's no way to do that thing. Like you can't do the thing that right. would actually make sense. Unfortunately, that's not possible. Yeah. And that's you know other Criterion podcasts are dedicated to just watching the movies, not necessarily in any right. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of where they just like, watch to what whatever one they want to next. Yeah. But the problem with that and is of course, we if would we... just watch the ones we think look cool, and then we would never right. watch the garbage one. We would never watch Mishima, which probably would have saved us a lot of mental <laughs> anguish. But you well, know. but you know, that's also that's any fair. criticism of your podcast that's like you're not doing this in a way that is rigorous or serious enough for me <laughs> is like <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Fuck right. off. It really is missing the point. Yeah, <laughs> also like, fair. Also not getting it. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a reason that eight years ago I called this podcast Lost in Criterion, yeah. and it wasn't just the fact that everything else I thought of was already taken by another Criterion blog or podcast. Uh, we are, or were, uh, and continue to be, lost in this oh, whole concept of, yeah. of the Criterion Just, just because we understand uh, what the plants and animals that are around us are better doesn't right. mean we're not lost. We've been here long enough to figure out which side of the tree the moss is growing <laughs> on. That's useless but. information if you have no idea where the fuck you are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, thank you uh, to our Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash lost in criterion if you want to get in on that. And uh, yeah, just it's been fun this time. Anyone have any parting advice? for the holiday season or the year on whole that they want to throw out anything you've learned this year. <laughs> can, can, uh, before uh, we do that, Adam, can I ask a question? Did we actually read the $10 supporters names? I may have blacked out. Oh, I did. I think we got distracted I before so. I actually read them. And, and I apologize for that. But since, since it is something, thank you for reminding me and we uh, will do that now. And I apologize for not doing it earlier. Normally, when Pat says, hey, did we do something about the Patreon? Yeah, the answer was yes. Yeah, I just forgot. Yeah, that's very true, which is uh, why I asked it the way I did. I was like, oh, maybe yeah. I wasn't paying attention. So thank you. Thank you for actually paying attention this time. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much to our uh, our $10 and above Patreon supporters. Charlie Mueller is our most recent one. He's been there for a few months. Uh, thank you to Christopher Otto, Jason Westaver, Michael McGrath, Patrick Yako, Jonathan Hape, and Adam Speakerman, who are all at $10 or above. Very, uh, very grateful yeah, for we that. We really appreciate and thank it. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, friends, for joining us this time. And, uh, yeah, I am, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick O.H.R. Dorgan. And we will see you next week for Mishima's Patriotism. Uh, Good luck and Godspeed. Look forward to that. That's all I can say about that. Good luck and Godspeed. Indeed. All right. Bye, friends. Bye. Bye.